Welcome to Boundless Pursuit, a weekly podcast providing motivation, entertainment, and education to anglers and outdoorsmen. I hope that the stories you'll find here will encourage you to chase your passion more fervently, to open your mind to new opportunities and perspectives. Your engagement and feedback is critical to the growth of this show, and I would love to hear your suggestions on topics or potential guests. You can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find all related articles, media, and merchandise. Please remember, the show will gain traction from your support. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and connections. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. You know, I don't know if there's a more awe-inspiring freshwater fish on the planet than the alligator gar. And as an adventurous angler, it's easy to look past the borders of the United States and dream of trips internationally. And yet there may be more diversity of ecosystems and species right here in the United States than anywhere else on Earth. And when you speak of the alligator gar, you're talking about a fish that can grow over nine feet long and in excess of 300 pounds. And so that is a fish that measures up to any other fish on the planet in terms of its size and characteristics and just sporting qualities. And you could really make the argument that the alligator gar is the most badass fish on the planet. And yet, curiously, it's still only pursued in pretty small circles of anglers here in the U.S. But there is growing interest in this species of fish. And my guest today is Philip Cairnduff. Now, this is a guy whose page I ran across a couple of years ago when I saw images of him with some monster alligator gar. But I came to find out later, he isn't a local Texas boy. He isn't American at all. He's not a guide, and he wasn't fishing with a guide. He's an Irish carpenter that just loves catching big, toothy fish. From the pike scene of Ireland to muskies in Canada, Philip has developed a love for the solo pursuit of big, toothy fish. And so when he moved to the U.S., the alligator gar quickly drew his interest. And what I love about the guy's stuff, he's just getting out there on his own. He's making these like solo ventures down the river and chasing these fish as big or bigger than he is. And he is catching some really, really solid fish. This was an awesome conversation. We tell a lot of good big fish stories. And in Philip's deep Irish accent, he does a very good job of painting a vivid picture of his experiences chasing these fish. It was just an awesome time talking to a talented Irishman who enjoys the pursuit of big toothy fish. And the passion that he has specifically for alligator gar is infectious. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. This is Philip Cairnduff. All right. Did you hear that? Yeah, just gotta click on. Oh, it. by the way, how do you pronounce your last name? So, Cairnduff. Cairnduff. Got it. Spot on. Yeah. So it's like Scottish. So like my, I was born in England. Uh, I was raised and I, I moved to Ireland when I was three years old. My mother's Irish and my dad's Scottish. So the name is Scottish. So Cairn is like a Cairn of rocks, pretty much. And then Cairnduff together is like uh, like a mountain of rocks or something, some sort of tribal okay. thing from back in the early days like type of thing you know a lot of this uh, there's been a few of these where i've started the episode and then i'd realize uh oh i hit recording and i don't even know how to say this guy's name karen duff <laughs> i think i had it right but 
Yeah. I, I, no, say, I, I hate honestly once like uh, I have to spell my name out for people. I used to do like alphabonic, just like you know Charlie, Alpha, Indigo, Romeo, <laughs> that yeah. type of thing. So they kind of understand it because being Irish and then trying to spell my name to people over the phone, it's just like double Dutch, pretty much, you know. Right. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna make like a definitive start. I'm not gonna say and action. Like we're pretty much yeah. just going. Like we're 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 yeah. recording now, it's so this is it. Yeah, but, yeah. but uh, I think first and foremost, thank God we got you on here. We've been, I've been like chasing you around, but I know you're a working man. I know you, what yeah. are you, like a carpenter? Yeah, I'm a carpenter. Yeah, I own a small uh, Irish business. carpenter. Moves yeah. to the U.S. Like, can't make that up. No, <laughs> well, first, yeah, I moved to Canada first. No, at first I was in East Coast. When I first hit the U.S., I uh, landed in Boston. And okay. That's where well, that's where all the was. Irish goes, right? And they're like a yeah. that's the the obligatory uh travel hub for the Irish. You got to go straight to Boston. There, Chicago, and New York and all that thing. So it was cool like even like cuz we didn't we landed in Boston, but then we kind of lived in Maine and like New England or New Hampshire area, that's where I worked. And then from there then I went up to Canada, Toronto and stayed there 2 years and ended up in Texas somehow. Yeah, the East Coast is like going back in time for me. Like, honestly, everything's so old and like uh, New England style. All the houses are like square boxy. The trim is all the same. Like, they're all, like my uh, sister-in-law, her house was like built in like the 1850s or something like that. You know what I mean? And oh, like geez. they're living in it and paid like really, really a lot of money for that type of house. And it's like, they're so old. It's so old there, you know, from like when I first hit the US, I wasn't expecting it to be so old buildings and yeah. all that type of stuff. Like Europe is kind of more modern somewhat in a way. Like Ireland's kind of modern. Wow, I'd love to travel and see it. I have no idea. It's like everywhere. I I grew up moving. Like I have been all over the place. And like I was telling you before I hit the record button, I've been around different parts of Texas. And then Florida is obviously like you know you're in Florida. If you just like rub your eyes and you wake up in a different place, like sometimes you won't know one place from the next. But Florida, you yeah. know, we ain't got no brick houses. Everything's stucco. Everything's, you know, pretty much looks the same, but uh, yeah, it's it just kind of depends on where you're at. I mean, I'm in Naples, which is like, there's a lot of money in Naples, so like you see some houses that blow your mind here. Not mine. Uh, yeah, nah, I got a pretty normal, saying, pretty normal living, but um, yeah. But um, but anyway, man, your uh, your thing is kind of funny because when I first found your page, it was obviously because I saw you holding alligator gar. And I'm like, a, I'm like really into alligator gar myself. I'm just into gar in general. But it's like, yeah. you know, I kind of remember before the explosion of social media where the gar, the, especially the alligator gar scene was really very small. There was like, it was kind of like, like that scene had been cornered by, you know, a select few people, which is yeah. really one of the great mysteries of North American angling that our because biggest... For my from my experience of it being here is because I think they're like class as trash fish, you know they yeah. don't like them. Like the people here don't like them. They have bad stories. You hear, see like Jeremy Wade that like there's big eleven foot alligator gar snatching children <laughs> on the side of the river bank and all that type of stuff. Uh. It's like I don't know. Like it's it was hard for sea because like when I first went fishing for them, it was so hard to try and figure them out. Like you know yourself what it's like trying like. Casting a bait out and getting a run is possibly the easiest fish to do, pretty much. But oh, putting yeah. one and landing one is a different ball game, completely 100%. Like, getting one up in the bank is different. But, like, it took me so long, like, probably, like, five or six good fishing sessions to, like, kind of dial them in. What am I doing wrong? Twist, try, try this, try something yeah. different. But like, I went down there, and, like, the the jetties below Livingston Dam before they brought in the bow law, the, so they couldn't bow hunt them. 
there was just like mm. hundreds of dead alligator gar, like just like six foot, seven foot, five foot, numerous of four foot fish. But it was disgusting for me. Like, you know, to see them, I fair enough, like I had no problem with them hunting it, but just to dump them on the side of the bank yeah. and all that type of thing, just leave them rot, just wasn't for me, you know, and the smell. And it was just like a bad. Oh, God, I know. For someone from Ireland coming over fishing for alligator gar, can't catch a fish and then to see all this on the side of the bank, you know? Well, that's definitely a terrible introduction to <laughs> our culture of yeah, fishing. It really was. Yeah. And I want to go down that road. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, well, I'll just say when I obviously I first found you with the alligator gar thing and you know how sometimes, you know, we live in the swipe left day and age where it's like, oh, that's cool. Swipe or swipe right. Whatever direction you swipe next, 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 next. You get you a little bit of uh, satisfaction out of looking at some fish pictures, but you don't know anything about that person. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what their story is. You don't know jack crap about them. You just know that somebody caught a really cool fish and. So, so at some point in time, I must have watched one video of yours. I just, I, I hate to say it, I was guilty of it. I didn't look at anything I know, about I you. I think I remember this, yeah. I'm like, here's some, here's a, here, you know, here's another Texan catching some alligator gar. And then one day I think I watched a video of yours. I'm like, the hell kind of accent was that? <laughs> like, who is this guy? And then I, then he's, I started, so then, then I started digging. I'm like, you know, and I know my accents enough to know. I was like, okay, this guy's like, irish or something what what's going on i had as an irish guy end up and then i saw your nickname was like philly duff so i'm like oh well you know must be some guy from philadelphia you know yeah. i didn't <laughs> i didn't know anything about you and i then, know 100 i agree with but you, yeah. like that hook to your character like irish guy moves to texas and catches alligator guard that like that's what brought me in i'm like all right I got to see what this dude's all about because that's interesting. And then the more I dug and dug and dug, you know, it got more and more interesting. How did you end up here? And while I can kind of put the puzzle pieces together, um, people don't want to hear that from me. So just kind of explain, I don't know, your history as an angler, like where the passion began. I know you started over there, but I want to know like your progression or like your journey to North America yeah. and ultimately Texas. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So genie mac it's like a long long story so it is like there's so much has happened in my life from yeah. leaving ireland and how everything transitioned and like the whole reason so get back from the start like when i started off fishing i grew up in uh, kildare in ireland and our river was the river liffey so it's kind of like a trout and salmon fishing so that's what i grew up fishing for at first was like trout and salmon completely like like using bait fishing <clears throat> and then getting up to fly fishing and going into the giant angling club and all that and then I didn't know much about pike. And then like we had a kind of a group of friends that like all used to go fishing together and we'd go out to these canals back home in Ireland and we'd just be out there fishing for like kind of roach or bream or perch or whatever we catch. And next mm. night we'd catch like the roach a bait next to this fish would just come out from the reeds and the rushes and just swipe our bait and snap the line and swim off. So <laughs> I had instant fascination for that. I was like, holy God, what the heck is that? This thing's so aggressive. I want to catch one of these. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, then it just led me on to pike fishing uh predator fishing is kind of like what i like to do like i like to go for specimens is what i like to do like i like to target predators but like the big predators you know like i enjoy the small time fishing yeah but like i said I, I could never go back to i could never really go back to pike fishing the same from catching like seven eight foot alligator cars right. it's never going to be the same well, like, well your y'all's pike scene is interesting to me i've never caught pike but it's like you know and i recently had mm -hmm. some other guys on from from europe they're from the netherlands and we went yeah. we talked a little bit about it but it's it's curious, like, like, what was your approach to catching pike? Like, because they, like, I know it's like, did you use, There's like, the rod animals. pods and the... 
Yeah, so there's, you... different, there's very, very different methods. So when I first started off, it was using small lures for like trout and perch with a trace. So we were catching like a little jack pike, like up to like two, three, four, five pound. Mm. And then we're using like spinner baits. It was like this Meps is like a really good brand back home. You can get it over here, Meps. It's like a French brand, I believe. And there's like a little minnow on the back of it and it had a blade. And we were just used to cast them in the canals and we'd catch like 10 to 20 pikes, but never any big size. They're all like jack pike is what we call them. Yeah, but then from there, then it kind of went into like dead bait fishing, where we get like sea baits or like natural baits, and then we kind of use a float and like a, a treble hook traces. I, like I enjoyed most, like like I said, I kind of started off light lure rod fishing, like using small lures, mm-hmm. and then it kind of like grew on to like dead baiting, like static baits, and then like it just it all depends on what type of venue you're fishing as well. You know, for me, I like river fishing. If you're on a bank on a lake you're better off using like a, a dead bait of some sort, like, you know, like a sea bait. Because, uh, okay. like you know, you're drawing the fish into you. You're kind of limited to where you can fish. But for me, for rivers, lure fishing was the best. Like, I just loved fishing the rivers. That's the one thing I miss about home is like just grabbing a lure rod, going to the river bank and just walking like five to ten miles a day in a fishing session and just see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. So now... That's really where like you became an angler, but then it's like, mm-hmm. what, what did you go to Canada or did you go? I think you said to Boston, like, like what yeah. brought you to America, this, uh, North America, yeah, the so States? Had, yeah. So what happened was like, I always had a fascination. Like for me, like I loved like the outdoors, the wilderness. I wanted to travel. It was always the mm. bug in me. Like you know, I always wanted to explore, you know, it was like getting the itch to get out there. So Canada was always on the doorstep for me because I had some friends up there that were fishing for pike up in like Saskatchewan and like the Northern Territories and all that. And I was like, yeah. dude, I've just got to get over there. I've just got to get over there whatsoever. <laughs> so I got chatting to some dude on social media that I've actually lost contact with him. But anyways, he got me a job as a guide in Saskatchewan. Oh, cool. Fishing for pike and lake trout and all that thing. So I was like, okay, let's do this. So then I went and got my visa and then that's what the plan was, was like uh, to go to Canada. But my plan kind of changed and I kind of met my uh, wife to be back in Ireland then. she's from Yeah, Alaska. that'll change things there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, I didn't get quite to do the, the guiding thing because when we left Ireland, we went to America for two months to visit her family because she hadn't seen them. And then we were going to go straight to Saskatchewan. I was going to work as a guide and then my wife or my girlfriend at the time, Desiree, which is now my wife, she's going to work as a hotest, like looking after the lodge. It was like a remote lodge, like 500 kilometers from the nearest village. It was like a flying resort place. So it was like three weeks, three to four weeks. I think it was like three weeks before we were going to do that. We found out my wife was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so the lodge was like, oh, I'm sorry, Philip. We'd love for you to come here. We'd we're sorry that we just can't have this type of here because it's too remote. It's just too remote for to having a pregnant woman at the lodge, you know? So that was kind of a bit of a bummer back then, but you know, life moves on, you know yeah. what I mean? So we went well, that's, to that's, that's fate. But I just think of, I've, I, that's always, I love to hear things like that because that's not a normal, well, it's not abnormal, but it's just, it's kind of a, I don't know. It's like a scary life gamble. Because for somebody to think I'm going to go all the way to a different country because yeah. I want to pursue something I'm passionate about. That well, sounds it's like I feel like that sounds good in a book and it sounds good in dreams. But a lot of people don't have like that takes a level of 
courage, I think. I mean, it's like yeah. me, if somebody said, hey, uh, I got an opportunity for you to come to, I don't know, some other country to be a fishing guide, I'd be like, well, I love fishing and I love the idea of travel. But when the reality is like at your doorstep and like and, mm. and you've got to sign that paper and leave everything behind, it's like, I don't know. I'm always interested in that. But like you just I mean, I guess it's you just, just you know, just cannonballed me, in. Yeah, for me, it's just kind of like a natural instinct. Like like yeah. for me, I was always in school. So throughout like my what's equivalent over here, like preschool and high school and all that, I was always the youngest in my class, but the tallest. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was always the youngest by year and the tallest by like a couple of inches, you know? And so like when I finished I was the school, opposite. I was always the oldest and the <laughs> smallest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we would have been the opposite if we were buddies in school. Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. But uh yeah, so I left like school when I was like 16. So most people like leaving high school should be like 17, 18, ready to go on to college. So I actually went down to County Cork. I done a, an aquaculture course down there with Board Ish Gamora. So that was like a real opening up for me. Like I went down there and learned like aquaculture. And what I wanted to do when I was younger was I wanted to uh, set up a salmon farm. I wanted to do salmon farming. Oh, yeah. I wanted to get into fish farming. I wanted to do something in the fishing industry, but I didn't want to do commercial fishing, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I went down there and by God, that was like one of the best experiences I have ever had in my life. Like we went down there and it was like kind of more hands-on rather than classroom kind of work. Like there was classroom, mostly it was hands-on. Like, like one week we'd be visiting salmon farms. Next week, we'd be like on abalone farms. Next week, we'd be on oyster farms. The week after, we'd be on mussel farms, you know, and sea urchin farms. And, yeah. You know, it was, it was pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool experience and it opened up my eyes. And then from after there, then I went over to England to college to study uh, National Diploma and Sports Fisheries Management. So I went over to Winchester in England and done that over there for like a year or two, I think it was. Didn't finish it on to get my degree, which I kind of regret doing in a way, but mm. I probably wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't leave college. You know, God knows what I would have done. And uh, so that's kind of what had me, you know, not being afraid to come over here because I had that hands-on experience as a young person. You know, like I was kind of like a wild child a little bit, you know, like yeah. my dad always <laughs> said to me, like when I was younger, like I seen some light on the top of a mountain and like I'd come home from school and I'd pack a, a school bag full of snacks and put my bag trying to go to the light <laughs> on the mountain. <laughs> yeah. So I maybe that's maybe that's why. But generally speaking, I think like the Irish people in general just aren't afraid to get out there. You know, I think like Irish, you know, if there's 50 million people claim to be Irish uh, heritage in America, you know, like yeah. Australia is the same thing. You know, half the world is built off anybody with red stock. hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah but honestly 99 i'd say no maybe not 99 i'd say 95 percent of people i meet in the u.s wants to hear my accent i'm irish too that's the uh, first thing to say to i ain't going down i have no idea my what my heritage is <laughs> i feel like i'm doing a disservice to my family name but i have no clue like the graham family name the, the thing is everybody in america is a little english, bit graham kind of sounds like a, an english type name like, yeah like a british Kind of I think there's some Scottish. We somebody did some lineage trace back to some Graham clan or clan Graham. I don't remember. I don't know. But it's like that, it is funny that you mentioned that because you know you go to like Oklahoma, everybody's a Native American. They could be white mm -hmm. as snow. Like oh, I'm point two five three percent Choctaw and point oh two seven percent Blackfoot. Yeah. I'm like, no, you're not. You're a regular person. Like. <laughs> give me a break yeah, no, like, me. but here i'm gonna tell you another interesting story was like yeah. this is so crazy i met 
So I was, like I said, I'm Ireland. My wife's from Alaska. I met her in Ireland. She was over working for like the, the Bank of New York. And I met her in Ireland. And then we were dating and all this thing. We had a baby. We were traveling and all that. And then her mom mm. was like, oh, I want to do that family tree thing and all this thing. Yeah. So they dug deep into it, got all their names and all this. And believe it or not, her heritage is Scottish, right? And my dad's Scottish. Mm. So they dated way back when. Where her heritage comes from is 15 miles away from where my dad was born. Oh, that's crazy. You know, that's just like absolutely unreal. Like, so that's awesome. Like, and then her mom's always like, oh, what's your, what's your grandmother's name? What's your granddad's name? And I was like, do I really want to do this? Because like, you know, if she digs deep into this, we could be related. Yeah, yeah I was about to say, <laughs> you're, you're running the, the risk to off. dig a little deeper yeah. in there. You go far enough <laughs> back into the origins of mankind, there's probably some sort yeah. of connection there well, that's one thing i would say I'm like like how did i end up marrying someone from alaska and then like her heritage is from 15 miles away from where my dad was born like what are the chances of that like one in a million you know yeah that's pretty awesome well, that's a cool story yeah well you carried the pike fishing interest i mean i guess that that seed was planted in the head you came over in due in part to an opportunity to guide for pike did you have like? Did you notice there to be any real difference between I don't know Canadian pike, North, like American pike, and what you see? Yeah, there is there is. really so any like, big differences? That's, that's always interesting to me when the same species lives so far away. Yeah, definitely. So where I was Ontario, right, and my experience of Ontario pike fishing is for some reason I don't know what it is. I don't think the pike grow as big as the Irish. Oh pike yeah. Do, for some reason, in Ontario, like the Northern Western Territories and Saskatchewan, and then like up in Alaska, I had other jobs opportunity to work in Midnight Sun fishing up in Alaska on the Noka River as well. Mm -hmm. And back, to, I just had visa problems. Like trying to get a visa, working visa mm -hmm. in America was so hard. Like you know, to, before you get your green card. So that was another opportunity I had and turned down. But the Lake Ontario pike, or like Lake Ontario and just Ontario pike in general, they're like. I don't know what it is. They don't grow that big. Like some, you get the odd 20 pounder, but rare, like really, really rare. You know what I mean? Unless you go up to like the French river or you go on to some of like the, the great lakes, uh, yeah. you get big pike there, but they're still rare. You know what I mean? They're still rare compared to the musky. Musky are like the dominant species mm. of Ontario, you know, like as in the, the Essex family. Yeah. I wanted to go there next because I mean, I, I've got no experience with either of them. I really want to, but it's like, I know you had done the pike thing and you, you had some history with pike. Then you come over here and run across a muskie, which is like, you know, like they're dop they're cousins. They look similar, mm -hmm. but it's like, Different I don't know. Different, yeah. complete for me from being like a hardcore pike angler to turn into a hardcore muskie angler. It is completely different fish, completely mm. different fish. They're the same, but completely different. The fight is completely different. The way they act is different. Yeah. Like pike are more like aggressive, musky are more like they zone in on the bait and want to see if they want to take it. That's why the figure they do is the figure of eight more with pike mm -hmm. fishing. You'd never see anybody doing figure of eight for pike fishing back home, like you know. Right, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I'm always curious, like the compare and contrast between the two because they seem so. I mean, I guess it's kind of like I don't know what you a, a large mouth bass and a small mouth bass. Um, on a bigger scale, obviously, but it's always interesting to me. I, I'm really, I, I have a thing for the big toothy fish, and it's like, I don't know, I, I feel like ashamed that I haven't taken the time to go pursue either of those two species, but I, I feel like yeah. it's going to happen soon, but it's like, I don't know, but something, I always put something above it, and I need yeah, to knock that one. There's not much opportunities for pike fishing, though, in the U.S. Like, I know it's really not, is me, it? because I'm like, I want a big one, but I need to just catch yeah. one, really. Hmm. I like, go to honestly, Canada. Reckon, yeah, Canada would be good, but I think like 
Ireland is definitely one of in the top five for pike fishing. Mm. It probably was up there. Like we can go into detail with that as well about like the way pike are treated in Ireland are treated the same way as alligator gar treated in Texas. Oh yeah, you know I would love to get into that. Yeah, like, well, I definitely want to get into that in a little while because that's an that's an a, a like a part of this story, conversation yeah. that's important to me is like <laughs> you showing up and kind of like seeing I don't know the, the angling culture there as compared to here. We'll get mm-hmm. there in a little bit. I we're getting there, but like, because I'm interested well, in the pike thing. Place. Holland and Germany is another really good place for big pike as well. Yeah. Oh my guys that I had brought some monsters. Yeah. The, those the Dutch I brought I had some Dutch guys on not long ago and them dudes, oh my gosh, the pike they catch. Like their bellies just yeah. sagging. Like the yeah. the, the yeah. sheer yeah. mass of these things. I'm like, dang. I could go I could travel <laughs> I could travel to, I don't know, a couple of states up and find pike. But I'm like I have this problem with me as an angler. I have like these stipulations I put on myself. It's like I can catch one there, but I really want to catch one there. It's like uh mm-hmm. like like musky. I really want to go catch a musky and I've got connections here in the, in the states where I, I know I can go and catch one. But I really yeah. want to go to like Quebec and catch like one of the big giant ones. It's like the travel's yeah. going to be harder. I'm going to have to go through more stuff, but it's like that's the experience of it that I want to get. And like like yeah, my all time Lake Sol is a good one for the big musky. Yeah. Like the, what? it's like a ball breaker, but it's like you know. And then the what's the river as well? Oh, it's some river. I forget the name, but it's one of the big rivers. Yeah. The Ontario or Ottawa River is another good one as well. That's another good river. Well, what's funny here in Florida is because you know we have so many fish that are not from here that now live yeah, here. Yeah. And um, and some of them it's cool. It's cool to go catch a peacock bass and 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 some of the other ones, but uh. But there are places here, and people have already done it, where people are catching arapaima now in Florida. Wow, you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They're like in, it's perfect climate for them. I, though, you know, I they think would that, in Florida climate. I think they even struggle in Florida, but there's places to do it. I, you know, I don't believe you can do it without trespassing on some sort of area you shouldn't be. And even there. though it's there, I like, I don't know, man. I I put a fish like that on such a high like mantle. That I, that I feel like, for me, it would be like a disservice to catch one out of a little pond instead of like... It just won't be the same. That, is like the, that is like the queen of the river. Like, you got to do that thing yeah. right. Like, if I'm going to catch an arapaima, yeah. it, it ain't going to be... 100%. It ain't going to be, be here. So I, I do yeah, the I same thing. I do the same thing maybe on a smaller yeah. scale with, uh, you know, I just can't pay for an experience that's like... Not all the way there, and I, I'm kind of the same way with the pike. I would love to go to Europe and do that type of pike fishing, mm. all in due time. I think inevitably I'll start making these kinds of trips. But um, yeah. So anyway, so you you, I mean, how long were you up there? How long were you in Canada and between there Canada, and like Boston? Yeah, Canada was there for two years. So that's how. Yeah. So my visa was two years, and then I've been I looking at your tattoo. Then that ain't a Texas landscape. What is that? What's the meaning behind that? It almost looks sort of. Uh... So that one is. I just wanted something outdoorsy, like yeah. pretty much. It's kind of it look backwards because it's in the camera. It's like a silhouette of a lake and then some right, pine yeah. trees. And then like this one here is like a salmon. Okay. With some mountain. Hey, that like looks like form. some. That looks like some Canada influence a little bit. Maybe I don't know. A little bit, yeah. Well, for some like salmon fishing for me was like I love salmon fishing when I was younger as a kid. Like salmon fishing for me is like when you see the salmon run, mm-hmm. 
the rivers it's just one of the best experiences you can ever see because it's just like i don't know it's just a great like especially when i went to alaska there recently for the first time and just getting to see the whole fishing system up there is just insane you know what i mean it's just it's what it's wild it's wild but then again there's parts in alaska i was fishing where i was expecting to see nobody but yet they call it combat fishing because like it's yeah. just i've never seen anything like it. it's like in ireland when the mackerel come in people go down there with these like 10 hooks on one line and just go out there Saturday yeah that's what it's like you know it's just crazy he's fishing casting lines everywhere i was like i come to alaska and then this is the fishing you know what i mean i was like oh you know expecting that's another one too where it's like there are like there's like king salmon runs in certain parts of the country mm. where i look at the pictures and it's like it's a phenomenal fish it's like one of those like classic like all american like sport fish like like keystone species uh, that I want to catch is like a king salmon. But I simply yeah. refuse to experience that shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of people. Ain't yeah. no way I'm going to the, one of those no, rivers where not, people like not, all not. over you. Yeah, just like like when I went to Alaska, I just was not expecting it to be like that. It literally wasn't expecting it to be like that. I just like, I was like, you know, you come all this way to the middle of nowhere, like, and then you just, you know, there's like, it's because a lot of it's the local fishing. So when the fish run, it's all the locals trying to get fish. Like, and then like, do you ever hear of dip netting? Well, I know what a dip net is. What are they dip netting the damn yeah, fish? So like it was crazy. I have to. What was the name of that river? Uh, I can't remember the name of the river it was, but it's like one of the main rivers that flow into like into between Homer and Anchorage. And we went down and seen it. So like the locals there are allowed to dip net. Uh, forget exactly what it is. Like the head of the family is allowed a certain amount of fish. Then it, like the next in kin is allowed a certain amount and so on, so on. But <clears throat> we went down the river to check them. Like it was just like the smell was number one, was just stinking because it was just fish heads everywhere. You know what I mean? Just fish heads everywhere the smell of death. And then like they had these like 20 foot long poles where probably like five to six foot circumference circle holes with a big massive net on the end of it. And then they were all shoulder to shoulder waiting for the fish to run up on the tides and then just catching as much fish as they can. And then they run up in the bank and then all the kids come down with these big, we call them priests in Ireland, you know, the, for whacking the fish over the head, they're called yeah. priests because <laughs> it's like the last rites. And all the kids come down and just grab the fish. And it's just like, it's like, it's like, it's like a, <laughs> go back to the stone age days or something like that you know what i mean the way so barbarian the way you know get the fish in kill them and then cut them throw yeah. the head off and like all the big bald eagles like hundreds of bald mm. eagles come down and swooping up all the guts and the heads and all that you know but i understand it's food it's food for them there you know what i mean it's food yeah it's not like yeah they're, they're using the fish them. but yeah they're eating the fish and by far the nicest salmon the red salmon and king salmon by far wild caught is the nicest fish i've ever tasted and i'm not a big fish eater you know i do like my salmon but yeah salmon up there was oh my god just melt in your mouth well the i know the chaotic crowd style of fishing is there's a lot of fishing like that like i have lived in florida now for almost five years going on five years and i, I hate to say it, i've still never caught a big tarpon like i've had my shots at them we've been talking about this i know we, we i know and I, i've had yeah. my shots at them i've been hooked up on the fish um and it's one of those ones where i don't know i gotta make that one happen I, it's it's pretty shameful that i've not I need to just put forth the, I feel like if I just go after them, I'll be okay. I sold my yeah. boat. So now I'm even more limited to where no. it's like, you know, I could do it out of a canoe, but man, that's what happened. Oh, I, I hooked one in my one. little, I oh, hooked Jenny's. one in my canoe. Well, I've tried it from the banks and I've, I've done that thing and that, that now that's cool. But I did it for my canoe one night on the Caloosahatchee river and got my 
tail whooped by yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. hook a big tarpon in a canoe. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but, um, can it's like I did it once. It's yeah. Like, oh, that's that. Now that's fun though. But the tarpon yeah. is. But I did uh, the tarpon fishing one time. We had like the most famous tarpon spot in like the world, like the epicenter, like ultimate place to catch tarpon in Florida is like Boca Grande Pass. There's this one pass on the West Coast in Boca Grande. And then uh, every year, I mean, you go in there, they are swarming this pass. And I went and did the Boca Grande Pass thing. And it's like, I mean, this place is world famous for it. Uh, And I went there. And man, it just was not for like the scene. It just was not for me. Like we went out with this one charter guy and it was just boat to boat. This guy's like threading yeah. the needle. It's just like your tarpons like almost jumping in the back of somebody else's boat. Everybody's yeah. hooked up and it's just like boat to boat. And it's just like, it's just like chaos fishing. Yeah. And it's everyone's like, on tension, is it? Like, cause everyone's like just after, cause it's all guides, isn't it? And they're all trying to catch. Well, the yeah, fish. That, that's the one good thing is that it's because it's all guides. And they all know each other. There's a better level of professionalism. Yeah. If some goober that didn't know what he was doing came, you know, drifting through the pass in the middle of that, normally it caused problem. But those guys were really, to their credit, they they knew what they're doing. They knew how to navigate around. But I I like firmly believe there was like an unspoken bond between everybody. That's like, hey guys, we want these fish to get off. Mm. Like let's fish with really small tackle and tiny hooks so we lose as many fish as possible. So it's like, you know, we are hooking fish left and right. They're all coming off. Like, yeah. and it's like, and you're in like, you're like though, isn't it? that's the thing about them. They're famous for shaking hooks, aren't they? Because they like well, to jump that, out. That like is definitely the big thing is that they throw in the hooks. Now in Boca Grand Pass, they're so thick in there. Like, I mean, the, they're hundreds. You're talking yeah. thousands of tarpon. What happens is, well, some of it is that, but what happens is you hook one, they run it down into the school. And essentially, Things. it's basically, yeah, it's it's like the, you're now snagged on a giant school of fish. Like, they run you into yeah. the school, and you get it's pulled off. Line. Yeah, it's no different than them running around a bridge piling it at some yeah. point. Yeah. The fish wow. are so thick, you actually lose, like, you lose the fish because more fish get on your line. But Because yeah, their scales are huge. They're like big diamonds, yeah. aren't they? And I realized pretty quickly, I'm like, you know, mm, this ain't for me. Like, I want to, like catch one in a river i want to be like a little more secluded but mm. but anyway let's not talk about me you're the star of the, the star attraction here <laughs> okay so. okay sure <laughs> if if and I, if there's anything we're missing here i want to like get to the alligator gar thing because at some point somehow some way you end up in what part of texas are you living in like so i live in a place called horseshoe bay which is like an hour outside of austin okay so unfortunately like there's no alligator gar close to me so when i go fishing it's like a four-hour drive you know what i mean what what the hell brought you there like (laughs) so like i said so i was in canada and my visa was kind of expiring and my wife's uh family were in texas her dad and her mom like they kind of travel kind of all over they've been all over the u.s they never lived anywhere for more than a couple of years when she was growing up so they were here in texas and then her dad was kind of sick unfortunately he had like a type of cancer and all this thing so we, she came down to Texas and then my visa is kind of running out up there. And then we were going through like, uh, what do we do? Go back home and came to America on an ESTA and then uh, applied for the green card here and then ended up staying here. And then her parents left us in Texas. They went back to Boston and then we stayed in Texas. And then yeah. 
I'm still here. Like honestly, like I I have a, a love and hate relationship with Texas. Like I, it's good. Yeah. It's too dang hot. Like so hot, so hot, hot, hot. The alligator yeah. is like amazing, but like the the heat, the the hardest thing about alligator gar fishing is battling the heat. You know what I mean? That's the hardest thing about it is battling them oh, 100 degree, 40 degree temperature plus temperatures back home in Ireland. It's tough, like you know. But business is good here as well. Like where I live as well, it's like the houses you see on Lake LBJ. It's just insane. Like it's like just there's so many millionaires around here, and Austin's such a boom city. It's all tech giants, like and like. It's good to be in a construction business here because it's yeah. booming. Everyone wants to work and the money's really well, good. Was, That's what's keeping I was, was going to say that like in looking through your mm. like your Facebook and stuff and seeing some of your posts, I don't know if like if I see some of your, like your carpentry work, it, I don't know if it's photos on scene at somebody's property, but I'm like, golly, that place looks nice. Yeah. I, was, I don't know if it's your house. Maybe some of it's your house too. Um, but I'm like, no, this dude is... No, mostly clients' houses. Yeah, like, like I yeah. work in million dollar... Like I've worked in million dollar homes, the ten million dollar homes in Texas. Like there's so much. You should check it out. Horseshoe Bay. After this, you just like they have their own private airport. You know what I mean? With oh, all these yeah. jets flying in, with all the people. You know, and half the houses are all like holiday homes. You know, they come here for the weekend and they jet back out. It's like, it's it's a nice place. And like we're right beside water. Like we've got like a, the Colorado River flows through me. So it's like dammed on Lake LBJ. Then it goes into Lake Marin Falls. Then it goes into Colorado into Lake Travis. So, like, I'm on a good water system, but this far up, there's no alligator gar, you know? There's gar yeah. in the river. There's spotted gar, and there's long nose and needle nose gar, but there's no alligator yeah. gar, you know? So that's the only one thing uh, I don't really like. It's just, it's so far away to drive to get the alligator gar, you know, four hours, you know? And sometimes yeah. I do day trips where, like, I leave at 4 a.m., fish all day in the heat, absolutely wrecked, and then drive four or five hours back home, towing a boat, you know? It's like, right. takes it out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth yeah. it. It's worth it. That's the way I look at it. It's like, it's worth it, you know? Right. Yeah, I can totally relate. When I was living in Arkansas, I was doing some stuff like that. I would drive like nine hours. But like, I'm like, well, I'm, I am I was bringing camping gear and things like that. But uh, but I mean, so when you move to Texas, though, so you're already a kind of a pike guy, a musky guy, a toothy fish guy. I mean, I mean, was the alligator gar pretty much like, oh, it was a bucket list that fish. was on the radar, wasn't it? 100%. Yeah. Like I've got several bucket list fish that I want to catch and like alligator one, like, like say, I grew up watching river monsters, like, and yeah, yeah. I knew my vocabulary <laughs> of like type of fish, like, like predators was always my thing fishing was always on my thing i studied it in college i was always into it like all my friends back home in ireland when i used to live in ireland i had like when the facebook pages first came up social media like i was one of the first people in ireland to set up like a social media page of irish pike fishing so i kind of like blew up and like i became yeah. somewhat of a fishing celebrity in ireland if you want to call it yeah. like, just back <laughs> in the day pretty much like <clears throat> i was younger as well so like i kind of wanted to do it but um yeah, sorry, that's what you were talking about there. Sorry, my bad. No, no, uh, well, that's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I notice that sometimes when it comes to, like, social media. You don't have to be the best, it seems. Some, sometimes you just have to be first. But it's kind of yeah, funny. Yeah, like... yeah, that's what it was. I was, like, the OG of it. It's like Facebook. It was like Facebook was kind of just getting popular Ireland, and then, like, they've done the pages. And I was like, oh, do you know what? Because what I wanted to do is become a sponsored angler. I wanted to, like, fishing was in my DNA. It was in my blood. I, like, I didn't want it. I kind of faded off the aquaculture thing, the yeah. farming stuff, because I realized how much the destruction it does to the environment. And it's, like, it's not very mm -hmm. impactful. And there's more, needs to be more sustainable ways of doing the aquaculture stuff. So I wanted to make it in the fishing industry. And, like, 
part of me was like, I want to be one of the bass anglers in the US where I can go win a million dollars in a tournament and all that type oh, of thing, yeah. you know? But was it, that was me, you know what I mean? That you, was me you, growing up. You poisoned your mind going down that tournament, tournament bass angling route. <laughs> yeah, well, you see yeah. what happened up in Canada there, didn't you, with the with the weights and the bat or sorry that was uh, oh yeah well that's happened the, so many times that one just got really put under a microscope and that cheating stuff with the walleye um yeah, that was crazy yeah, that's that funny was just, i couldn't believe that pathetic like, you can really see just the pathetic. fish it was like yeah like a bowling ball in the fish their mind had been poisoned by just i don't know just like this this, this need to be the best it can yeah. really mess you up yeah. but um i'm curious though like the alligator gar thing what was like your research? There had to be like a research process, like to walk me through like what you you had to lay out a game plan. Like, did you get online research how to do this? Did you start like acquiring <laughs> gear or did you have a person that was kind of like a mentor or was it all just trial and error? Like, how did you figure that scene out? Yeah. So that's a good question, actually. Yeah. So it's like a list of variables of everything. Basically, what you said there is what I put together. Like, I think. My success is down to my experience of fishing, generally fishing, because the alligator gar fishing, you know yourself, it's like bait type fishing. So yeah. I had that experience from pike fishing and like some, I've done some bait fishing for musky, musky fishing. I experienced it with live baits and dead baits, but I found lures to be quite good. You know what I mean? Better type of fishing for musky for me. And um, yeah, that's how I, that's how I done it. And then like, I just like, just had experience of it and kind of knew what to do. <clears throat> seen videos online uh catching dinosaurs was another great guy that i kind of liked i liked how he his approach was fishing was i liked that he was like sustainable doing it for the environment yeah yeah uh, seeing videos of him and catching like seven foot fish I was like damn when can i i'm going tomorrow you know like just go out there and try it and then like when i started off i was just on basically on foot i just had a car i was on foot and then i grew up to a kayak then and then i started catching fish in the kayak because i could get more you know could fish different spots yep, but like yep. mine my nature with the fishing with the alligator gar is, is I'd use my pike fishing brain the way I would dead bait, <clears throat> excuse me, a dead bait for a pike back home in Ireland. I'd use that technique and then transfer that technique to fishing for alligator gar because it's very, very, very similar. Using a float, using a small lead weight, and then keeping your bait on the bottom. You know, it's very, very similar. So yeah, that was, yeah. that's believe what I believe is part of my success. If you want to call it success and catching some good fish. Is down to that as well, you know, and just trial and error, same as any fishing, you know, any decent fisherman or someone that's like a hardcore angler, they're going to dial it in eventually, you know, and that's what, that's what happened to, that's how I managed to get some good fish. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where I think time is just your best friend, like time on the water. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember that's a, again, it's one of those scenes too, where like, there's not a lot of guys willing to share information in a lot of it's because there's people like it's their business like they're yeah. the, they're a they're a guide and it's yeah. like you know they're protecting a resource it's like i am i'm about to tell you nothing i know but, well, uh, that, that was my experience on it like i don't want to get into that because it's a complicated yeah, situation yeah, yeah. but you you probably know yourself it's like uh, i don't know i never got any good vibes off any of the guides let's just say that you know they were kind of like i don't know posting up on my page or like commenting on my pictures and saying oh that's private land you can't be fishing there you know, and I'm on a riverbank that the same riverbanks that they fish. And I don't, know, I don't want to get into that because it's not like my type of, you know what I mean, type of style. I like to, you know, yeah. I, just, I keep it myself, you know what I mean? I like to go out there, do my catch and release fishing, enjoy my fishing and just move on. Right. You know, no drama. That's my type of fishing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's 
I think that it's that whole scene's too far gone to be protecting like that anymore. Now it's like it's 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 out there for the world to see. Like everybody knows about him now. It's getting yeah. bigger and bigger yeah, and bigger. Sure. You're seeing a lot more people doing it. Um, I love the angle that Henry goes about it with with the smaller hooks and the things like that. Yeah, right. Um, ad- ad- admittedly, the I use the big treble hooks, and then when I see that, I'm like, you know, that's 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 pretty cool. Like you know, that's pretty interesting. It's 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 a uh, it is so weird to me that that a, that a fish that has been around for so long, obviously in the years, hundreds yeah. of millions of years, is this late in the game. Like they're they're so long evolved, but they're only just beginning. Anglers are only just beginning to evolve like their yeah. tactics for catching them. It's very weird. And yeah. now you're seeing more guys doing fly fishing for them, <laughs> um, lure fishing for them is only just starting to catch on. It's really weird that it's like this late in the game. Like these things have been around I agree with you. forever. And it's mm-hmm. just starting to explode. Yeah. So it's really Because they have really such a bad name. That's what, especially in Texas, they have such a bad name here. Like people frown upon them. They just want to put a slug in the back of its head pretty much, you know, because they eat all the good fish. But that's like, yeah. if we go into that topic, I can go into that topic about you need predators to have a sustainable ecosystem in a lake or river. You need it there because if you don't have predators, you're going to get explosion of smaller fish that are going to be competing for the food, yes. for the fry or the juvenile fish and it's a huge topic in Gwenta. It's the same thing as Ireland, but you know, I have noticed on the Trinity River from when I first started. I've been in Texas four years. When I first started fishing for them four years ago. I have noticed they have uh, exploded a little bit more, as in smaller fish. You can see a lot more smaller fish uh, about rather than just you know not so many fish. Yeah, that's funny how that works though. Um, it's like the people that want to shoot them for that reason that they're shooting them because of some. I call it like vigilante conservationism. Like it is up to me to save these other yeah. fish. You know what I mean? And I try to like yeah. tell those kind of people who still have that mindset. I feel like that mindset's going away. But the ones that are like the only thing you're shooting when you're doing that is like you're shooting yourself in the, your own foot. Because yeah. like that is the like it, in the rivers that they live in, everything else evolved around them. So well, when you talk they're about, the longest living fish in the river. Yeah, they're when the longest you talk about yeah, when you talk about balancing um, an ecosystem or balancing a, a, a food web, well, what do you think they're balancing on? I mean, like that is the central yeah. figure of that river system. If you want to like kick that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. out from underneath, every everything's gonna fall apart. But uh, yeah. I always thought that was interesting. But that's that why, was- like, just wait for them Asian carp to get over. They're spreading all across North America. And oh, yeah. They're coming down south. So you want them alligator, you want predators in the river when them explosion of them Asian fish come over, you know, because they'll just destroy the fishery all together, you know, yeah. they'll just completely destroy the fishery, you know, and like the 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 fish that like the alligator gar are in, like I wouldn't technically class them as like sport fishing rivers, you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. obviously you get the big cat fishing rivers, but like the alligator gar don't, not they don't want to wait rivers. find them big old ugly bony fish you know what i mean they want yeah. to eat the carp and like the, the smaller fish the weaker fish you know what i mean yep. and like if they if they take more alligator guard then carp are just going to explode because yep. they their spawn trap like most of the carp here in texas what i've noticed they have eggs in their system all year round like any mm-hmm. carp i catch if i go fishing for them now there'll be eggs in their system if i go fishing for them in june there's gonna be eggs in them because the temp water temperature here like uh 
it's so hot it triggers a hormone in their brain to automatically want to spawn so they always have eggs in their system yeah so you know what i mean they could spawn two three times a year so if you remove the you know the apex predator imagine the explosion you're going to get them and then like they're, they're going to just wipe out all the the juvenile bat all the fry the juvenile bass all the the food for them the the nutrients and all that type of stuff yeah yeah that asian carp thing's kind of a scary deal it's like i feel like as as it's a great selling point for the alligator gar for people to like get on team gar to say, well, at least they can, they can, you know, the alligator gar can eat them. But sadly, I feel like even the alligator gar, like even though they're capable of eating them more so than other fish might be, man, they can't stop. Even they the alligator they're not. gar. They're the biggest, friendliest giants. They're probably the most friendly. The only fish that I don't like to size, I don't like catching alligator gar is between the four and five feet range. Cause they're the most, they're the most dangerous fish. Because they're like young, young, bu- young yeah. bulls is what I call them. Oh, yeah. they they're more rattling on you, full like... of muscle. The, the head. The whole reason why people get injured, I think, from catching alligator gar is that size of range of fish yes, that you catch. Sure. They're just aggressive. You pull them up in the bank, and all they want to do is flap left and right. That's all they want to do. You catch a fish from six to seven, eight feet long. They're just like big slap. They're like a seal, basically. It's like dragging in the seal on the bank, and they just lay there. Like sometimes they might open them out and then breed or air out and all this thing and do the odd one or two head shakes but generally speaking the bigger fish are just friendly gentle giants pretty much you know they're they're I, there's something about the big fish like my biggest fish is eight foot one inches over 200 pound weight like when, when you're there on the river bank like you know the, the river <laughs> stuff, awesome. they're pure murky and actually you're fighting this fish and you like you don't know what the hell you've got on because when you catch a six foot fish, they just fight insane. They run off from the current. They're going to eat snags. Like they send you 50 to 100 yards down the river to where you first caught them. And you, you see the head for the first time. Oh my God. The leg shakes you get. You start yeah, shaking yeah. the drink. It's gone. You start, you're like, what have I got on? This thing's a monster. You know, you just start shouting, roaring, and all this <laughs> thing. And like, you know, I could imagine like some farmer there I'm fishing off as like the river through his land or something like that. And they hear this crazy Irish guy just shouting in the distance like, oh, I've got a giant dog. It's a monster. It's a monster. Because it just takes your breath away. When you see that size of caliber of fish come out of the water, like it's just it's just no experience I can say fishing wise I've ever had. You know no what I mean? Like, and even yeah. I've got some nice fish in my time, but like just something about them alligator gar, just how pretty they are, just like everything about them is just amazing. Their scales, just a pattern on them. But they're the same. The, the reason why I love them so much is because I think I like the the shape of the Essox type family, like musky and pike and like a barramundi or barracuda. They all have that streamlined kind yeah. of profile with the kind of head and the, like the narrow body and the, you know, they're fast moving. That's why I think I like them as well. You know, they yeah. kind of remind me of just ginormous, fat, huge air breeding pike and musky. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. It's, I try to tell yeah. people the same thing. It's like, Oh my god! I feel like uh, like there needs to be like, this major call to like the North American angler first and foremost. I mean, people around the world need to understand the alligator gar and like where it lies on that like global scale of like freshwater titans that every continent yeah. kind of has its fish. And like for us, like that is our heavyweight champion. You could make the argument for a sturgeon, but like a true freshwater fish yeah. that isn't like by nature you know, moving in and out of salt water, alligator gar, like there's just no excuse for like the die hard American angler to not check that one off the list. I mean, you talk about, yeah, you talk about all the different kinds of like keystone species we have in this very, uh, diverse continent we have. 
at some point you have to ask, okay, that's cool. That's the most colorful. That's the most popular. That's the hardest fighting. That's the fastest. That's the most beautiful. That's the rarest. At some point, usually early in the conversation, you're going to think to yourself, well, what is the biggest? And for whatever reason, somehow it's still not number one on people's list, but very interesting. And I, I, just, and I, I just I think it's like a lack of history. Like that's the one thing I have to say. Like I give credit to Henry Martin on Catching Dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Like he was very open to me. He never like, you know, like said, didn't tell me anything. Anything I wanted to know. Like I'd never asked someone for spots. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. completely understand. That. I, I know I just have, don't have decency to say it. I might ask him like, oh, where do you recommend I could fish? Or where do I launch the boat? Because, you know, the Trini River, the Brazos River, any of them rivers are very limited access. There's right. only like three or four boat ramps. And at the that whole point, system, you don't so. have to ask. For that same reason, you don't have to ask. You you got a one in hmm. five chance of being in the right spot. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. But yeah, but like that's what I like about him because he promotes it so well. He's done so much for like, you know what I mean? I give him credit for that. He's done so much about it. And he, it's the ed- education. People just need more education about the fish. And yeah. I think mostly they're afraid of them. That's most of why people don't want to fish for them as well. It's because they're afraid of them. Like, you know, because w- what am I going to do when I catch this big al- alligator guy on the, on the bank? What am I going to do with it? You know what I mean? Because they are, they're very hard to unhook. Like they are, you know yourself, trying to open up them jaws is very, very hard. Oh God. Yeah. And that's why I love and highly recommend and like will always tell anybody who wants to fish for the alligator gar is to use the bridle method on a single hook because mm-hmm. not only is the hookup ratio a lot lot better you catch them in the scissors a lot easier like in the scissors of the jaw like yeah. right here like fish hook them if you want to call it we call it the scissors and that is like it's still hard to unhook there because it's solid bone like you're trying to unhook it out it is very hard but like it's easier to hook it than trying to open up their jaws and trying to like get a you know, sometimes well, I have like a, a PVC pipe I put into their mouth and then like, you know, keeps them open and stops them locking down. And then, right. but yeah, that's like a, a, the one thing I say is like when you go alligator gar fishing is make sure you have the right unhook equipment. Like don't go down there with a small pair of pliers, you know, don't go down with a pair of systems. Oh, yeah. You want like, like what I started off using was going to like a Harbor Freight or like some like big box stores and get a big cheap 20 inch long pair of pliers, you know, like heavy duty ones. Get yourself some like heavy duty wire cutters, you know, like so you can cut the trace if you need to cut it. Like don't go down there with small equipment because that's how you're going to get hurt, you know, because you're going to try some of the heads like on the big fish, like, you know, yourself, they're like two feet long, you know, their jaws are two feet long. So if you got, you know, a hook way back when. Um, you don't want to be putting a pair of six-inch pliers in there, do you? <laughs> right. And and another good point about having a, another good point about having a single hook um, too is like I guess it affords them a better opportunity. If heaven forbid you do have to cut it loose, it's they can spit the hook over time. Yeah. But uh, I, it's an interesting debate. I definitely kind of lean more towards that. I mean, I, I started where everybody started with the old the old ageless, you know, timeless yeah. thing of the treble hook. Um, and I think the idea w- or the argument some people will make is if you use one single hook, it's a single point of contact, which means the full force of them pulling against you is all going to be on one point of contact. So it can cause more of a tear. Whereas with yeah, multiple- but that's, yeah that's why I'm you just use playing the right devil's hook. advocate. Yeah, here. I know. I know what you mean. I started off with that same issue as well. I was just using random single hooks and trying them, and I was straightening them out. Like I even my first fish over seven feet long. Um, what was it actually happened to me again? The hook was kind of straightened, and then I because I was using kind of like a trace method, method system that I used back home in Ireland where I used like 49 or I can't remember what it was like two, 120 pounds stainless or uh, some wire with some crimps 
and like a snap swivel on. My snap swivel busted open. My, so the hook was on the snap swivel. My snap swivel actually busted open. And the whole reason I got the fishing is because I kept the pressure on the whole time. Mm. And that's what landed the fishing. The, the swivel was actually open. The snap yeah. was open. <laughs> and you know, if that fish, if I had lost, not kept tension on that fish, if he had to move left or right, the hook would have came right out. I got the fish. I couldn't believe it. It was like, you know, he busted my whole system. But because I kept tension on that line, you know, I still managed to get him in. But yeah. just using the right hooks, like the owner... Right. Uh, Kamigatsu had that type of one or uh, the I can't remember. I should have actually brought the hooks with me and showed the hooks that I could use. But we can definitely, I can if we put the podcast up, I can get some pictures of some type of hooks to use. Yeah, if you but, send me photos seriously of your of your gear. I would love to throw that up because um, I want to talk yeah. about that in a second too. But you know, a lot of people that are listening to this like ideas of well, how can you prevent deep hooking them? How can you do you know make sure you hook them in the corner of the mouth? People will always bring up. Why don't you just use a circle hook? And I I have my mm. ideas on why maybe you don't want to use a circle hook on an, an alligator garb. But like, well, I mean, have you have you thought about using circle hooks or why or I why not? A, I have because, like I said, I've done a lot of research online <clears throat> and then like uh, kind of figure out what the best methods were. So I never actually tried the circle hook method because when I did see it, like you know, Bubba back in the day, he was using them and he was catching them like right here. And th- he was using big circle hooks, you know what I mean? That were just tearing that kind of soft pocket they have underneath the chin there. And, you know, they're air breeders. So, you know, that's going to destroy the fish's natural way of like living, you know what I mean? So for me type of fishing, I tried to do like the most minimal impact on the fish damage or like, you know, fish welfare as they possibly can. Yeah. You know, I like catch and releases 99.9% my fishing. And like, I get more satisfaction seeing the fish swim away than I do actually catching it. You know, that's my type of fishing. So I want to do the less harm I can. But um, yeah, the circle hook is another method, but I just, found what, I just found what's worked for me. Like, honestly, I've dialed that in. I like that method because the bridle method you have, the reason why I like it so much is because when you use the big treble hook, not only all the guides that fish for them using the treble hook, they, they want to go hook the fish. They let the fish run for like 10, 20 half an hour or god knows how long you know and yeah. focus in on that fish with the bridle method what i like about it is like you know the what i'll get her like they pick up the bait they'll never eat it there and then they just want to run yep. like they just want to run downstream pretty much nine times out of ten they want to run downstream and they just want to strip line and go underneath like whatever snag they can find pretty much because it's just such a snaggy river like it's crazy and uh so i find like using that bridle method you get a better hookup ratio because if you set while they're on the run you have an open, exposed hook. You know what I mean? You don't have a hook yeah, covered yeah. in bait. You travel hook, it's got a big lump of one pound chunk of carp on it. So when you strike on that, you're not getting the same impact you would if you've just got a little small hook. You know what I mean? That's why I yep. think like at least 50% of my catches, well, probably not that. Much. I'd say between 40 and 60% of my catches are caught in the scissors because I set within the first from... 30 seconds to like two minutes, you know what I mean? Depending on what vibe I'm feeling at the time of the run. Sometimes you can tell, you know, the smaller fish are kind of like, don't run as fast. The bigger fish just like mm-hmm. strip lines. Yeah. Because I have tickers on my multiplier. So, that, you know, that's, that's why it's a big fish, you know? So you kind of let it run a little bit more because you want to make sure you get that fish, you know? Yeah. Well, the other thing that I like about how you're doing it is it seems like you're mostly you're mostly out there alone, aren't you? Like you're not really going with like a partner. It seems like you're kind of yeah, like these are solo ventures. That part of it's, it's interesting. crazy because I know that nine, could times be... out, nine, 
pretend it's solo. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because nobody wants to come fish. I have some friends that come fish with me, but they'll go once and then they're like, "I can't handle that heat. <laughs> it's too you. dang hot. By the way. It's too humid. Like the humidity most of the time when I fish is above eighty percent, and then it's above like a hundred degrees. You know, it's just this. It's not nice. It's not like yeah. nice on the body fishing for them. And like sometimes, like I drive four hours down there, I get to one of my spots. Within about 20 minutes, half an hour, I've landed a six-foot fish and I'm ready to go home because I'm oh, spent God, out from yeah. the heat. Yeah. <laughs> just the heat, it just killed me. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, do I really want to sit in this heat? You know what I mean? But you just you just grind it out and then, like, it's kind of crazy fishing for them because, like, they fish in, they feed in patterns, like, I noticed. Like, I kind of dial them in to where, like, they're kind of similar feeding patterns the way pike and essox. That's mm-hmm. why I keep relating to them. They're very similar, that predator instinct. I think they actually, like, sw- when they switch on, the smaller fish feed together. They work as a team 100% because sometimes it'd be completely dead. And I've noticed sometimes like a big cloud would roll in and then a cloud would roll off and next one rod would go. And then I'd run down to that rod next to that rod would go and next to this rod would roll. And before you know it, three rods are taken off at the same time. You know, it's that kind of, they go into somewhat, I believe uh, the smaller fish definitely feed in groups and they do have feeding patterns, you know? And then the bigger fish then sometimes like, the hotter, the better in a way, not necessarily all the time, but like in the colder months leading up before the, the, the summer, definitely the hotter days are better. What I find they're more active, you know, and then when they're, that's why I think people don't fish. I don't have much experience fishing for them during the winter time, which I wanted to do this year, but we just had a newborn baby. We've had like so much family here over Christmas. We've just been on the go. So I didn't get a yeah. chance to do it as much, but I think the reason why people don't fish them for the winter time is because they're more finicky. The summertime, they're more aggressive feeding where they just they eat anything. And wintertime, they're more selective and they don't run off with the bait. They might keep the bait in their mouth for longer periods of time. So it's harder for the hook, hook the fish, you know? Yeah. That, that winter thing is one I would have loved to have tried if I was living out there a little bit longer. I know a guy that lives out that way. And, he, it, you know, I know him a little bit, but I know him enough to know that he, he goes actually snagging for them. I know snagging is big in like Oklahoma and stuff. And the guy goes snagging for him only in the winter. He would go snagging okay. for these things. Snow on the ground, like ice on the edges of the rivers. And I guess these things pile into these deep holes. And they're yeah, so thick in there. On the bottom. And they just be hooking them left and right like on the, every other yeah. cast. Like, But they got to be eating, I guess. But I know their metabolism is like slow enough even in the hot months. They don't have to eat. They will eat. But I bet it's even ten, I bet it's even slower in the winter. So maybe they just they can probably just ride out the whole oh, winter without feeding. So yeah, so basically, like uh, back home in Ireland, like a lot of people don't start fishing for pike till the first of October, when fall starts, pretty much or autumn as we call it back home, because the pike want to put on the weight for winter time, so they become more aggressive and be- eat bigger fish. So at that time of the year, like September, like. Lure fishing is good all summertime, but like the water temperature gets a little bit high to where sometimes you don't want to fish for them because like muskie and pike are not good with uh, low oxygen temperatures. They find it very hard to recover and all that thing and they can go belly up. Mm-hmm. But uh, So that's why a lot of people don't fish for them until the 1st of October. But like spring, uh, sorry, September and October time can be like amazing months for lure fishing for, uh, for pike and muskie. That's what I found. September, October, early November are like the best times for lure fishing for them type of species. And then you go on to the dead baits then where they kind of slow down a little bit and you kind of like use bigger baits because 
the fish are like more lazier and then just want to eat like bigger baits and, and eat feed less often. Yeah. So that's why I want to try that. I want to try that for uh, alligator guard because I want to try that technique that my theory in my head works for the same as them species, you know? Yeah, I would, I would definitely think so. I just, I always have a hard time believing fish just don't eat. Like, stop. Like, there's no, there's no, like, it's, it's just one of those fish that if the bait bounces past its face, I mean, surely it's just like, it's a game of opportunities. If it goes by enough fish's face, even in the wintertime, they, they gotta do, well, people catch long nose gar through the ice. I mean, I know it's two different species of fish, but it's like, there's enough yeah. of a parallel there. It's just one of those things. Like, like, you definitely do. Like, I think the only thing is, like, I think you'd definitely be able to catch them. And, uh, like, my experience, like, that picture I seen you put up on me on Facebook, that yeah. fish there, that was some story, that fish there. Like, that was when I went fishing by myself. That was a big and old I went, yeah, that was like, fish. I think that one was, like, seven foot, three inches or something like that. And that was correct. The river was, like, just coming in the flood. Mm. It was, like, some boat ramp that was, like, on a private farmer's field. You had to pay 20 bucks to go down to it. And I probably went, like, about 10 miles up river and came to this big massive bend and went to this like little tiny area to where i could only put in one rod because it was like so fast flowing it was so high it was so uh. dangerous and all this thing. like the river was like flowing through all the forests and all this thing beside the banks on it so it was that type of fishing That's but when i hooked up onto that fish oh my that was probably the best fighting fish i ever had in my life he just like because i was by myself in my boat i was just getting yeah. used to my boat set up second time out fishing on the boat or something like that you know so he just took off down river to the point where like shit i need to go put the boat uh put the boat in turn the engine on jacket in reverse and just like chase this fish that fish man sent me probably one to two miles down the river like i could not control this fish because the current was so strong so like my boat is like uh it's got a center console in it well not a center it's a center console off to the side if that makes sense mm -hmm. so i was trying to drive the boat and play this giant fish in like <laughs> god knows what speed of current you know what i mean i was like oh, yeah. what the heck is going on and it came to a point where the fish, like, just practically gave it, gave up. I think it, like, took in water or something like that. I think it was fighting the fish for so long that it just gave up. It took in water, and the fish just became like this in the water, completely just vertical in the water. Like, he just gave up. I could not fight the fish. The line was, like, I couldn't pull the fish up because I felt like okay. he was so much heavier. This, is getting, very, this is getting very funny and interesting right now, what you're describing. And I know yeah, my it, guy, Josh Dolan, if he's listening to this, is laughing. My last trip to Texas, we fished a spot on the Trinity. And the I, I've, and I've caught plenty, enough alligator gar. And the exact same thing you're describing happened to me. What I thought was like, you know how they, uh, like you said, they took in water. You know how they gulp air? They gulp air. And I think, I, I think they use yeah. that in part to maintain their buoyancy and regulate, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah. this thing blew out all the all the air, and it was the same thing. It was just vertical, yeah. so yeah. it was like because there was zero buoyancy, it was like you're lifting a hundred, like it was like yeah. you know, one hundred and seventy pounds of bricks oh, away. straight yeah. up, and it was the worst yeah. thing ever. I I couldn't lift it. I was like, Aah! yeah. But were you on a boat? Were you in a boat that time? Were you on the bank? Yeah, we were in a boat. Actually, the, my yeah, profile so picture on Facebook it was that fish. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. I actually, what you said there is I believe exactly what happened is that fish couldn't get in air or something like that. Cause that fight, like that fight fish, I was saying that fish for a good 
30 minutes. I thought maybe you know, it expelled the air. I just couldn't get them up out off the bottom. It was nuts. Yeah, no, they, just, they come like that. They literally, honestly, yeah. when I pulled the fish up, it was like, I've never seen anything like it in my life. The fish was just like, the nose was just like vertically looking at me at a 90 degree angle. Yes. You know, imagine just like that. But anyways, I like, I drifted so much far down and there was like these young, rich college kids on one of them. Uh, <laughs> they had a gator tail boat. They had one of them gator tail uh. ones and they were like, Dude, what's wrong with you? Like, do you need help over there? Because they watched me and I was screaming and shouting because like every time I got the fish in, <laughs> he would go again. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm wrecked. Just, I want to get this fish in and just done yeah. and over with because I'm so adopted. <laughs> like them fish just, I don't know what it is. They just, I feel like a racehorse where you just like a racehorse, when it starts slowing down, it blows out where it just loses all its energy. That's exactly yeah. how I feel catching fish because it's just, I don't know, it's just really hardcore but anyways they come over and asked me do you want some help i was like yeah dude please i'd love some help so they came over on their boat and then one guy jumped in my boat and then i kind of had to control the boat and the current and then he got the lasso out then i held the line and he got the lasso out and got behind the pectoral fins and into mm-hmm. like the gill plates and we lifted the, the fish up and all i just remember was like holy fuck it's a giant it's a giant yeah. it's a giant <laughs> So, and then his other buddies then, because they kind of went downstream a little bit because the current was so fast, like, you know, they kind of drifted off a bit. So I drove the boat up to like this kind of like a little, funny enough, you know what it's like? It's very hard to find a good some bank, nice ground yeah. to take a picture on that river because it's just nearly impossible because it's not like a spate river. Yes. The riverbanks are like this, pure muddy. So you find this kind of like nice. Especially if the water level deep. is high. Damn. Yeah, the water level is high as well. Yeah, but then we you're really not going to find a bank. Room. Yeah, it was kind of like a soft, muddy spot we got in. So everyone jumped out and they were like, oh, I've never seen a fish so big and all that thing. And next, like they started hearing he was like, where are you from? Like, where are you from? And all this thing. I was like, oh, I'm Irish. It's like, what the heck? What <laughs> yeah. the hell is an Irish man doing out here in the middle of nowhere, like in Texas, fishing for alligator? They were so fascinated by me. They were like, I was yeah. like, like they just met the president. Their eyes were twinkling. They were like, you know, like this Irish guy out in the middle of nowhere catching like giants fish that they never caught before. Like, you know what I mean? They just weren't expecting it to see there, you know? And the same thing is that's what like you, me. That, you know, the same questions that you have for me is like, how, do, how am I doing this? You know what yeah. I mean? And like, I don't know it's where life brings you and just how you, how you get on with your life, you know? Well, you got lucky that they showed up because I know me and Josh had a hell of a well, time. It was like, because you got to get their head through the, through the, you know the uh, lasso yeah, and it's like we couldn't yeah. get the freaking thing up high enough to get him through it every time we get him up and then try to put the lasso on it'd go back down and i was like oh yeah. my god we can't land this fish it's like it kept sinking to the bottom but you know, know. and you, I don't know. with the weight you think it was 10 times bigger than actually what it yes. was that's what i felt like to me you know it's well, just, it was um, a slab though that fish i caught the girt on that fish i can't remember what it was it was like oh that thing like, was you know big that's a like great photo. It's, such a, it's a great yeah. photo too, but um, the fact that you do it solo, I love that because I, I've done it solo a few times myself and it's like, man, at oh, some point, know. it's like, it's scary because when you know you got a giant one on and like the realization comes to you that now I have to go hands on with this thing, it's like hmm. the reality kind of shocks you. Like, I got it. Like, I got to subdue this, but I, I'll tell you like a funny story is the two biggest alligator gar I've ever encountered happened actually on the same day within no an way. hour apart from each other and i was alone on the river and i lost both of them at the bank during the like flubbed yeah. landing processes <clears throat> and i remember the first one was actually smaller than the second one was a 200 plus pound fish i'll never forget losing that fish but the first mm. one was it was probably like seven foot three or something you know it was a good it was a good fish for me yeah. it was the biggest fish of my life at the time 
And I remember I was out there solo and I get this thing all the way to the bank because I was canoe fishing, but like I only use the canoe as a means to get to the spot. I never fought them out of my canoe. It's just too risky. I got to fall over. And I, yeah, get I, was, I was shooting it the first time I like hooked my, I had like, yeah. well, cause like I said, I sat off like on the bank, then I went to a kayak and then like, it took me a long time to get the balls to like, Oh shit, I want to jump in this kayak now and then like go yeah. fishing for them because that that year when I first started fishing from the river was super high. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like actually, I can remember one story there that uh, I've nearly drowned myself like two or three times fishing, <laughs> and one of the time was an alligator gar. One time was back home in Ireland. I was wearing my fishing waders, a pair of sim waders, and I was fly fishing. And like uh, I know a river off the back of my hand because like I grew up on it. I walked the rivers the whole time. You know, being in the river fly fishing, you get to know the river more than you do being on the bank because you're like you're mm-hmm. walking. The, the the riverbed but uh that one time like i i was fishing one area and like, i stood down and like there was just no um there was no no bed no riverbed i just like hit pure deep a salmon hole like a salmon came in and dug out a hole and i just went the current took me oh, and no. then the waiter started the water and i was sinking and all this thing and good thing like i done like survival at sea techniques and we practice these techniques how to get out of these situations you lean back you create a vacuum on your waders and all that type of thing so water doesn't get in. Like you get a vacuum on it and then you get like air locked and you kind of like turn into a life jacket of some sort. Yeah. <laughs> but that was scary because I was wearing the, you know, the neoprene socks where you tie on the boots. So I couldn't get out my waders. So I kind of like just waddled like a wounded fish with the current just trying to get to the shoreline. You know what I mean? But <coughs> the yeah. other time, <coughs> excuse me, it was with the alligator gar. <coughs> with the alligator gar was there. Uh, I was fishing like two, three rods, I think it was. And you know yourself, like them fish sometimes, like to pick the bait up and they just run for the nearest snag. Yeah. And then next thing you strike, next thing you're just stuck in the snag. So I think I had two runs and two of my rods were stuck in a snag and I had to cut the line because I couldn't get it out. Don't tell me you tried to swim through. Yeah, yeah. It was just, I was like, I had to, I couldn't get it out and I like lost the line or the line broke or something like that. But the third one, um, the third rod went off or whatnot, and then it got snagged again as well. I was like, oh, no way. It says, I don't have any more spare bread with me. <clears throat> I'm going to go in my kayak and try to get this thing out. <laughs> but uh, trying to get it out on the kayak is like when you got fast-flowing river and you're trying to get a snag out in the kayak where you've like, no, you know, when, you know when you're on the water in a kayak, you've no, when you snag on something, you get pulled around. You're not like, you've no strength on the line. You're just like fighting yourself in the water. Yes. So my idea was, was like paddle upstream and then try to get it out before it went downstream, before I got tension on it. But I was trying to do that. And then like, uh, <clears throat> so I done that. And there's like the stick kind of like just sitting out of the water, just like a small bit, like kind of like this. And the kayak I went over and I flipped the kayak. Oh, I was shit. like, oh, damn, what am I going to do? Like, I was like, I'm using a $600 musky rod setup that I didn't want to lose. So I was holding on to the rod, holding on to my paddle, trying to hold on the kayak at the same time. So I was like, oh, was underneath the water like this, I was like, what am I going to do? So, um, I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to let go of the rod. So when I let go of the rod, I don't know what happened. Like it created like a, the tension came loose on the braid and the braid got wrapped around my ankle. Oh God. And I was using like a 120 pound braid. I think it was back then. Yeah. 120 pound braid. And I was underneath the water like this, like let go of the kayak, let go of my pad, let go of the rod. And I was stuck underneath the water with the braid tied to my ankle and the current pushed me down. But miraculously, I don't know how I got out of it. I got out of it. Swam up to the top. See my kayak a little bit down the river. Lost the rod. Lost the whole six hundred dollar. Uh, it was a Shimano Tranks four hundred one high speed fishing reel with a. I can't remember what uh, rod it was, but I lost the rod. Lost. Oh, my paddle was floating. Got the kayak. 
swam across like it was so hard I couldn't even swim I had, my kayak was full of water so I had to push the kayak and then swim and push <laughs> yeah. the kayak to the bank and then swim got to the bank next I was out of breath like vomited up like some amount of water because I swallowed so much water right Ugh. looked behind me and there was like a bloody 8-10 foot crocodile following me along the side of the bank because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the gator hole because the area I was fishing was famous for this big massive gator yeah. and when I was kayak fishing first started off kayak fishing I would go at a Home, De- Home Depot bucket full of carp in 100 degree weather heat. So I was just like a big, you know, going around the kayak. I was just like a big dinner plate going around the yeah. kayak. <laughs> you know, when carp, when they get like, they get cooked alive in the bucket and they stink and it's just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, some vile smell. Because, and that's why the gator came up. But I was like, I nearly drowned. I get out of nearly drowning and then I nearly got eaten by a crocodile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or sorry, an alligator, an alligator. Sorry, yeah, an alligator. Well, surely you just packed up and went home after that. Or did you go ahead and keep trying to fish? I probably did. I can't remember exactly yeah. what I got. It took me a while to recover from it. I'm not going to lie. It actually oh, took me a while funny. to recover from it. I, like, I messaged my wife. I just let her know what happened to me. I was like, I'm okay. I was like, just had one of them scenarios where, you know, could have happened. You know what I mean? Like, that's why one important thing, if you are going solo fishing, let somebody know. You know, let somebody yeah. know exactly where you're going. Let somebody know what time you're going to be, you know what I mean? What time you're going to be home. Try being in contact with them as much as you can. Because when you're like four hours away from home and you're fishing them high river type fishing, you know, it's like being out at sea, you know, it's just unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen, you know? like Right. Uh, I totally agree, especially out there in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And you're not exactly close to the nearest hospital. And there's no. you know, different types of wildlife to contend with and the elements, but uh, yeah, snakes like full of snakes, and you've got like or the, your vehicle can break down. I mean, you, I mean, man, you can be way out there, but uh, that's nuts. Well, it's uh, not like most of the time I'm fishing, like 90% of the time, I have no phone signal, you know what I mean? So, if anything oh, yeah. does happen, you know, what I mean? like by myself, you know, that's the, that's the dangers of it, but you just got to be aware and prepare, you know, that's yeah. why I always say. No, I mean we could keep we could keep going with this for a long, long time because it's it's uh, I like this I like the firsthand accounts and the stories especially because it like takes me back. Um, I know like 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 the one the one it, the issue that I had when I was solo was always landing them. Like I could find them, I could yeah. hook them, I I was gonna get the fish, but like the process of landing them and going through all that was such a problem. But um. Uh, I know that one story. Well, you kind of get, you know, I recommend if you're going by yourself and you cook a big fish, like the main thing is not be afraid. That's the main, the one, the main thing yeah. is not be afraid of the fish. You know what I mean? If you're afraid of fish, you're going to, well, it's you're going like to get lassoing. Hurt, you know? It's like, you got to like control the rod with one hand, yeah. try to lasso with the other hand. It's very, yeah. it'd be a mess. So there's several different ways that I've learned to do it. Like, so the way I do it is when by myself, I hook a big fish. I try beach the fish. So what I do yeah. is like I reel the fish into as much as I can. And instead in. of like, yeah, I walk backwards. I keep yeah. the line probably like 20, 20 yards worth of line out or 10 yards worth of line out. And I try walk the fish back. And when I know it's getting close to the shoreline, I kind of run backwards a little bit faster and then try to use the momentum to get yeah. him up there. And it's not, if it's a big fish, when you kind of bank him up, he's just going to sit there. Yep, He's just going to sit there and not even move because he doesn't even know what's going on. It's not until then... You try to put the last two on him. The first time you go try to put the last two on him, he's going to want to go. Yep. You know, he's going to want to go kind of straight away. I'll give you one. So little, what, what, I'll give you one little story because 
what happened to me with doing exactly what you're describing. <laughs> One of the biggest ones Come I ever lost. I was when I was all alone I, and I lost what would have at the time been my biggest fish ever, the biggest heartbreaker ever, completely solo. This was on the Red River. I did a lot of mine on the Red River way up, you know, north of where yeah. you're at. And I'd done just that. I was like, I just got to pull this thing up onto like a muddy flat. Once they get up into that shallow water, they're clumsy, they're slow, they ain't going to be able to get away. And I backed up all the way and pulled it up onto this flat. And then what do you know? The hook came loose. I'm like, no. Oh, and it started yeah. slowly kind of doing that thing where they like they turn, yeah. you know, it's the like they, it, it, yeah. was like, it was turning its body like in a series of like shaping its body like a C and its head was getting to where it was facing back out into the deeper water. So I threw my rod down. I like rolled up my sleeves and I dove. I'm not even joking when I tell you <laughs> I dove head so first. Like and put this thing in a headlock, like like old school bully style, like like you do in the schoolyard. So I have this thing, and it starts thrashing. I'm like, ah, oh god! And it like and it overpowers me. So like, and the the bank is like a a muddy like slope. So we're sliding together into deeper water. Like my feet are just like, I'm like skiing down this muddy slope holding this thing to the point where my feet aren't touching anymore and it starts shaking and I just I just let go and then it's gone. I'm covered yeah. in mud, slime. <laughs> my rig is like oh, in the water man. somewhere. Fish is gone. <clears throat> and I got to the yeah. bank. I crawled up on the bank and just like let loose this like horrible scream. Like I just lost the fish I've of a lifetime. It was I've in my arms. I had a yeah. hold of the fish and it's gone. <laughs> no, that's 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 alligator far, far fishing down to a T. You know what I mean? Like you probably know from you can say it as well. Like you, you're the diversification of fishing as well is like so vast. But there's no other species I think than what I fish for than alligator gar because it's the size of the fish. It's like trying to land the fish, the combat, just the adrenaline, the heat. Just like where it's just like I don't know. That's why I think people need to experience it more or more it should be more like more people should just get off and just try it because you mm. know what i mean it's just exhilarating you're not going to get the buzz like probably sea fishing wise you'll definitely get the same type of buzz maybe not quite because it's like yeah it's not for the faint-hearted you don't if, if you want to be a clean angler keep away from alligator gar because like <laughs> you're just covered in mud from head to toe God, like, I know. you know what i mean you're covered in fish slime you're just covered in Carp guts and blood and you stink and you're like you're <laughs> i become red like like th thankfully now like I've, uh, my body's kind of got used to it a little bit but like irish people are notoriously for going red you know what i mean yeah <laughs> so one point, like, sometimes my wife says like when i come home from fishing i look native american you know what i mean because i just go so dark from just being out there and then the mud as well kind of gets in like your i don't know, into your skin and it gives you kind of like an orangey kind of tone yeah. a little bit or some stuff well the allure <laughs> behind that fish and a lot of people will say you know make that make that same argument about well if, if you're really into big strong fast hard to catch fish you know you got to go to the you got to go to the ocean you got to go to salt water but my argument against that is People, even people who don't fish, they know and understand and and it's an understood and expected thing that you're you are gonna encounter scary beasts in the ocean. The allure behind doing it in freshwater is is the surprise factor. It's like, whoa, yeah. like you don't expect a seven foot. It's very uncommon. Fish. It's very, 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 very uncommon yeah. in like unless you're in the Amazon jungle, you know what I mean? There, fair enough. But like for the Northern America or yeah. Europe or something like that, you're never going to get, there's no freshwater fish that compares to it. I think like, fair enough, like you said, your sturgeon you have as well, mm -hmm. but they're, they're a completely different type of fishing as well. They're not, they're a predator, 
but they're not quite the predator. They're, they've no teeth. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not the same as the predator. Alligator guy are the more badass one. Yeah. If you, call, if you want well, to ask. It's funny when you talk about alligator gar just on that whole, like when you look at it globally of all the fish in the world, you know, it, it's easy to like look past the ones we have right here in the States, but like you could make a fair argument that an alligator gar is more badass even than an arapaima. Like arapaima is like that one. It's like, it, that's my Man. highest mantle fish, but you could really no, make the argument that like characteristic yeah, for characteristic. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because it's just the teeth, isn't it? They've got the big badass yeah. teeth, like the Native American, like their scales, like their scales, they've evolved to be, the reason why they've been around for a hundred million years is because they've evolved into it. Like the Native Americans back in the early days, from what I've been told, used to use the scales as yeah, arrowhead that's a fact, tips. Yeah. Like you notice know, yourself, if you rub, if you're holding a fish, you get like razor, you get all cuts. Yes. If you're holding a big fish rope like this, you get cuts because yep. the scales are so sharp. Yeah. Like if you rub the fish, the way the scales are going, you're fine. But if you go backwards mm -hmm. on them fish or you turn up the right, man, I've got so many cuts on them oh, fish. Yeah. Like even like my mom goes fishing with me and she touches the fish for one second and she gets cut. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so they are, but like, that's what I mean. They're just, they're, I don't know, there's something, but just the, it's the head. It's just the head. Like I love Arapaima are the prettier fish by all means. I think that they are the prettier fish. I love the, the red lava kind of metallic look they've got going throughout their yeah. back tail, but the Arapagar, it's just because, like I said, bring it back. It just reminds me of ginormous pike. You know yeah. what I mean? It just reminds me. It's just got to be the head. There's just, there's yeah, just nothing else it. in the world with a, I don't know, such an awe-inspiring set of like, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe like the Goliath tiger fish in Africa. But even then, like the alligator gar's face is just, there's yeah. nothing even on the same <laughs> wavelength. But, <laughs> no, there's not. But man, like we're... That, um, Eight-foot-one-inch fish that I caught... That fish's head was almost three foot long and like nearly like a foot and a half to nearly two feet wide. You know what I mean? Like the head yeah. was about that to like this. You know what I mean? It was yeah. it was ginormous. You see my picture, like that's why I wanted mm -hmm. the I didn't want a side angle on it. I just wanted like a head on, straight yeah. on pitch so you could see that head on it. Like, you know, it was funny when I caught that fish actually, when I landed it, there was a, a group of Mexicans down fishing just below me for carp. And one of them came up because they could hear me roaring, shouting. They must have thought someone was being murdered because I was like, <laughs> what did I catch? This thing's oh, You know yourself, the adrenaline just takes over. It. Just, no, it, that's what I love about fishing. It's just like the adrenaline I get when you catch a big fish, I just don't find it anywhere else. You know, the buzz, I just don't get off anything else. But I remember when the next guy came up to me, he was like, holy God, that thing's like a cow. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, That's the first thing he said to me. And then like... I, I was, I think I was, was it with my kayak then? I can't remember. I think it was with my kayak that time or something like that. And I was like limited in water and like I had no ice bucket with me. So they like brought me down and they gave me like ice can colds, the seven up and cold water and all this. They were like my hero and saver. You know what I mean? I was like yeah. bound down to them because they had like cold drinks. <laughs> but uh, they just couldn't believe the size of the fish. They just could not get over the size of the fish. A lot of the alligator guard thing is really just selling the idea to people like planting the seed in their mind that like, this is something you ought to go do. And I think we've accomplished at least that, but, um, but people who are listening, it's to definitely you, driving on. Yeah. Well, people that are listening to you talk and listening, you tell stories about like the eight foot alligator gar and even the pike and the muskie who want to go and see these things. Like, how could they find you? Like, like maybe like your Instagram or like, where could they find you to see some of these things? Yeah, so like like I said, like I did went through a phase where I wanted to be like professional angler and like <clears throat> throw all my stuff on social media and put like I did. I did back in my early pike days, I was all over the place. Like I was sponsored, 
I promoted so much stuff. I done everything and all that type of thing. It was in magazines. Now I'm kind of like more low key to where like I don't. I'm happy do my own fishing and yeah. like it's better. You know, I don't like to exploit it so much. But if you do want, you can check out uh, me on Facebook, like Philip Karen Duff uh, on Facebook. I also have like a fishing page that I don't post too much on anymore. But you can get a, if you want to find out about the old me is called Irish Pike Fishing on Facebook. You can check that out. That's got some of like my old school pike fishing. <clears throat> it's got some cool videos as well on uh, some pike and some muskie, some salmon. It's got some alligator guards. It's got some shark fishing and all that type of stuff as well. Uh, then you can also, yeah, Instagram as well. Philly Duff on Instagram. I post some stuff up there. You can check it out there. I got a YouTube channel actually. It's called Philly Duff. I posted up like a few small videos, but this year. I'm planning definitely 100% to get some more content on it. I've got like, I've, I've made it my list this year that I do want to put out some more content where it can kind of help people a guide of how to set up. Yeah. And like, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. You know, if someone from Ireland can come all the way over here and not have any knowledge on the rivers or any knowledge on like how to catch them and all this thing, if I can do it, anybody else can, you know? And yeah, just if anyone wants any help or tips or tricks, send me a message and I'll be glad to help you guys out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And I'll throw all this stuff up on the screen, too, and make sure to share it all because people are going to want to see it. I mean, you've got some awesome fish yeah. and, and it's not all about yeah, trying to be Mr. Dude, Big Shot. Yeah. yeah, it's not about, about trying to be Mr. Big Shot on Instagram. I I got one uh, younger guy that was just on here. I, I don't know. His Instagram probably only has maybe I'm selling him short. It's like 200 followers, but he's a great mm. guy. He's just a cool dude to talk to. Great stories yeah. down to earth, humble and out there like he is good, like authentic guy like angler to talk to but um yeah but anyway man i enjoyed it i think you're going to be one of the guys i'm going to want to bring on another time and we can even go even deeper into like how you do it some of the like the the gear setups if somebody wants to go do it um we, we can go even further that road you know what i wanted to really cover well we'll have to do it another time i was really interested like your your buddies that surely you have in ireland maybe we can end on this who see your stuff? Like, what are the people like your Irish friends, like people from home, when they see this stuff? <laughs> yeah, what, the hell, what the hell do they think? Yeah, I know for sure. Yeah, like, like I do, like I do get a lot of support. Like with my Irish and European community, they definitely give me a big support over here because, like, like I said, I was very well known in the the predator side of England, between England and Ireland, that type of thing, where I got a lot of support of them. You know, like they enjoyed my catches. I helped a lot of people. They helped me. I made some great friends through fishing and all this thing. But they're like, they're proud of me over here. They're like, oh, fair play that you're coming over here and not using guides and you're getting out there and do it, doing it yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I've never used, never used a guide once for, for alligator guards. It's all been just hands-on experience, just putting my knowledge from like previous fish fishing and just, you know, getting down to it and just doing it. But yeah, people back home are just like the same, the same way as you are as well. Like, you know, like how is he catching them fish or like, yeah. you know, like. What is it and all the you know, there's nothing special, it's just like time, time with fishing as well. Like, you know, it comes there is skill involved in it, but a lot of it is just putting the time in and just being at the right place at the right time. You know? Yep. Well, man, <laughs> I really enjoyed this one. Um, I got another yeah, guy dude. lined up I'm gonna hop on with, but uh dude, I appreciate yeah, I'm I'm glad we finally got to get together. I know you're a busy <laughs> guy, you, you stay on that work, but um this I know. Great... I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad that we got it done. I was excited about doing it as well, and that's why I wanted to make sure that we had a good sit down and get it done. And, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Enjoyed it. It was good chatting, fishing with you, and yeah, look forward to the next one. It should be for sure. Cool. And I'll keep you posted on when all this is is going to come out. But uh, we'll be in touch for sure. Yeah. 
Awesome, dude. Appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And good luck on your next one. Hopefully right, you don't man. get the static thing on it as well. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Appreciate you. Have a good yeah. one. Yeah, awesome, dude. Have a good All one. Right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Boundless Pursuit Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, your feedback, comments, and reviews are very important to me. Also, this podcast is just one element to a much bigger content outlet. I urge you to head over to www.haverodswilltravel.com where you'll find audio, visual, and written editorial content. That is three dimensions of awesome fishing content brought to you by a very dynamic team of anglers. I hope that you'll tune in next week as we continue to build this program and have interesting and skilled anglers each Thursday. Thank you for listening.